The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall in turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. It's me, B.A., back with you again, and uh, we're joined, as always, with Brad Brown. I believe Jason's taking a little bit of a hiatus from us. It seems to have some work going on the past couple of weeks. He even threw around the world retirements uh, earlier with us a couple couple uh, text messages ago. I think Brad and I are going to have to uh, try to talk him out of that deal. But, Brad, how's it going, man? How's your bracket doing? Uh, uh, like most people, that that's toast. Uh uh, my wife, daughter, and I filled out brackets for the three of us and have a little competition, and I'm sucking hind tit, so uh, not doing very well. I don't know how you're not doing well, man. I, ha- I have a system down. My bracket's perfect. If you look at my my bracket, it's just what you see on ESPN and uh, and all these CBS Sports things. I fill out the bracket as the games go on, and uh, I got <laughs> got the winner right there. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, most places allow that you to submit that bracket in there. So, No, not so much. Uh, my, my wife... Uh, uh, she has probably watched maybe five minutes of basketball the whole season, and she's leading the the, the three of us. And so we play for a little fun, and uh, the winner gets to choose dinner and, and an activity of what we're going to do. So um, win or lose, I booze. So one way or another, we're going to go out and have some fun and have a beer. And uh, I still think I can have a comeback because I'm the only one that has Gonzaga for the championship, and so we might be able to I think pull that, that one I off. think uh, Zags is going to lose Creighton here in the uh, Sweet 16. So, I mean <laughs> – well, I don't know anything about basketball. That five minutes of your wife that's watched the college <laughs> basketball this year is uh, about six minutes more than I have. <laughs> I don't watch very much of it anymore. I, I've, I've lost interest in college basketball. Uh, so uh, it was just uh, throw a dart at the board and see what happened. And uh, I, I, gen- I generally picked all the, the, the uh, higher seeds. And so I, didn't, I haven't done very well. There's been a lot of upsets and stuff. So, and it doesn't really make me any difference one way or the other. Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, everybody's watching the basketball, and I spent the, uh, the weekend out there uh, washing and waxing and detailing the old Mustang, and I got my first mow job of the year in and uh, cut, the grass, cut the grass. So I saw that. Yeah, mine's not tall enough to grow yet. I'm, I can pick up some leaves and stuff, but uh, that's about it. Got to get that spring clean up. Anyways, on the show today, we're going to be joined by the uh, – Devil's Bowl Spring Nationals winner JJ Hickel is going to join the program. And Brad, you got a nice story about uh, the time you met him up in uh, Washington when he was racing out there, and you were out there. I believe a sketch. It was that correct? Yep, yep. Several years ago, I ran into him and uh, had a good conversation. So uh, we'll tell that story when he gets on. And uh, um, but yeah, JJ, wow, what a great weekend! Uh, and he earned it. He he didn't start on the pole. He 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 earned that uh, uh, sweeping the weekend there at, uh, at Devil's Bowl. Yeah, definitely. I haven't heard a whole lot of of JJ Hickel until until this year. I mean, he's won races out in California. He's winning ASCS races and and all that good stuff. And also later on the program, one guy who's never shy from a microphone, Scotty Cook, is going to join us. Yeah, we're going to have to keep him under control because this uh, hour long podcast could turn into two or three hours if we just let him go. So we'll we'll keep him. Uh, we'll keep pull back on the reins and we'll get him under control. Yeah, I don't know if that's possible to keep Scotty under control, but we're going to sure as hell try. So, <laughs> uh, 
Jumping into some race news, we mentioned that J.J. Higgle won the Devil's Bowl Spring Nationals. Uh, looks like uh, the Outlaws, you saw Sheldon Hotshield win and Brad Sweet win. And Brad, I know you got a list of 410 winners out there for us. Yeah, just going to run through some of the more popular drivers. Uh, there was there was not a, a huge amount of racing going on last weekend, but uh, there was some racing going on. And, you know, Sheldon Hotshield, uh, first repeat winner on the World of Outlaw Tour this year, uh, Cotton Bowl Speedway. I watched the highlights. I, I did not subscribe to Dirt Vision because uh, with me traveling so much right now, you just never know where I'm going to be. And I just don't have time to watch a lot of TV, TV on the weekends due to uh, track meets and so forth. But uh, watch the highlights. Uh, everybody was running on the bottom and middle, and he was running the high side like a hot and child would. And he, you know, the track just came to him, and he became a rocket at the end and uh, went around Brad Sweet for the win. And then uh, Brad Sweet got the win on Saturday night again at Cotton Bowl Speedway. Um, kind of surprise, uh, 360 action, USCS action. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. stepped away from the NASCAR tour a little bit on Friday. He went to Deep South Speedway in Alabama and took the win. So, little uh, Ricky pulling and doing work. That's nice to see. Yep. Yeah, uh, he always got, he has a fallback plan. He can, he can race them sprint cars still. So, yeah, it was good to see him uh, take on the USCS um, tour and, uh, and take that win. Um, Attica Raceway, Hunter Schurenberg. Traditional non-wing sprint car drivers jumped into the seat of the 55 uh, Vermeer Motorsports car out of Iowa, and he's had a lot of luck in that car, and they've done pretty well, and uh, he took uh, the Attica 410 feature. Uh, Paul Weaver took the 305, and it's hard to beat Paul Weaver in the 305 at Attica, but uh, um, he, he started off his season uh, with a win. Alan Crimes uh, took the Lincoln Speedway win in uh, Pennsylvania. Justin Peck uh, got Port Royal, DJ Neto in Stockton. R.J. Johnson got the non-wing sprint car feature in Central Arizona Speedway, and then Royal Jones. He's a he owns Mesilla Valley Transport. He owns Vado Speedway Park in uh, Vado, New Mexico. Uh, has lots of money, but he likes to play with the sprint cars, and so he dropped in his 305, and he took a took home the checker at Vado Speedway. So. Yeah, you definitely see that Mesilla Valley uh, transportation on a lot the side of a lot of sprint cars out there. Yeah, and I've seen them on modified and late models, and it's always good to see one traveling down the highway because, uh, yeah, Royal, um, he does a lot for, for auto racing and uh, particularly for us sprint car racing. So uh, props to Royal for kicking off his season with a win. But that's about all I got. Uh, there was a lot more winners, but uh, um, don't want to insult anybody because everybody that wins a race in a sprint car deserves them. But uh um, we only have so much time on this show to to talk about winners. Yeah, I mean, we, if we we just ran down the winners list, it wouldn't be a very uh, interesting show by any means. But speaking of interesting, it sounds like your boy Sammy had a had a little interesting uh, weekend. He jumped in the uh, in the seat of a seventy five S car down there, Devil's Bowl. Uh, didn't do too well Friday night. Looking for uh, looking for a better outcome on Saturday night, and it sounds like uh, that did not happen. As we got the clip here from our boys at Racing Boys, <laughs> our friends at Racing Boys. You know when you you want me to come to you now? Let's uh let's send it down to Scotty Cook right now. Scotty Cook. Yeah, we've got yeah a little bit heated down here and uh. You've been doing this for a long time. You're a smart ass. Go, Fucking dumbass kid. So a uh, wild ride down here. In turn number one, uh, Sammy Swindell had a really good run on the 14 car and uh, a real wadded up heat. Emotions very, very high right now. And uh, 
Sammy goes for a wild ride. First of all, we're glad he is out of the car and A-OK. Man, we're so sorry about that. Tell us what happened, my friend. <laughs> well, I got another car destroyed by a kid. You know, I'm almost completely, he's got to see me. I can't run into the tractor tire. I have no place. I don't, I don't know what these kids think about, you know, but all you got to do is buy a pit pass to get to drive. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to do nothing. You just show up with money and you run over shit. I've been doing this for 50, this is my 51st year. That's stupid. We're glad you're all right. Sammy Swindell, obviously, obviously pissed off. Uh, had his bell rung a little bit when he got out of the race car. Um, got to his feet. Uh, emotions very, very high. Fortunately, um, law enforcement and security here to not let those guys get at each other because it had been a Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a... Like, like Sammy said, dumbass kids, basically. I mean, he got into it with, uh, I, I believe it was Justin Zimmerman, and uh, Sammy is down on the bottom out, out there in Devil's Bowl. And if, if you have never been to Devil's Bowl, they got big-ass tractor tires right there on the bottom. And you're running low. You don't have – you can't go anywhere. You can't go any lower. You're going to take out our tractor tires. We saw um, John Carney do that earlier in, in, the, in, in the evening, and I believe right. it was the first heat race and knocked the front end out of, that, out of his race car and – you got a guy on the outside that's there. You you see the car below you. I mean, you got to see him. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to preface this by saying I everybody knows I'm a huge Sammy fan. So I may be seeing this a little different than other people. But if you watched uh, Twitter or got on Twitter and Facebook, there's a little bit of an there was either one there was one side of or two sides of the story. Zimmerman got taken out by Sammy. Of course, Sammy haters will, will say that. And then Sammy got destroyed by the Zimmerman kid. Um, what I saw and what I watched the video, what I saw is the Zimmerman kid went into one on the high side and was coming across the track to the low side. Sammy had such a run on him that he entered low and was going to do a slide job on him. Well, Sammy's right rear hit Zimmerman's right left front, and that never works out for anybody. And they both took one hell of a ride. And, and uh, fortunately, neither one of them were hurt that bad. Um, uh, but it was Sammy. Obviously, you you heard he was like in a had a heated moment there. Uh, called saw had some cuss words and so forth. But my from what I saw, the Zimmerman kid was clearly coming down on Sammy, and Sammy had the low line, and and he couldn't go any lower. He he had those tractor tires to take care uh, to avoid, and they they made contact and destroyed two cars and. Uh, uh, it, it was a nasty ride, but I'm just glad both of them uh, came out without any uh, injuries. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad everybody's okay there. They definitely tore up some race cars. And, uh, you know, my next lap in a sprint car is going to be my first one, so I don't really have an opinion of, you know, we talked yeah. about it, you know, a couple episodes ago about dirty sliders. But the right. way I saw it is, you know, Sammy's in there in the, on the bottom. And the way I saw it, Sammy was ahead of the Zimmerman kid just by a little bit when they were going into the corner. And Zimmerman came down and just, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to say chopped him, but he came down into Sammy. I, so. I agree. And that's what I saw. And there's a couple uh, race car drivers that have posted on Facebook and so forth that, uh, um, that Sammy clearly took out the kid, but I just don't see that. Uh, the Zimmerman kid clearly came from the high side down to the low side and Sammy had a run on him and went, went to pass him low. And, and uh, there was no, Sammy just couldn't go any lower. And of course, whether you, I don't know, they both had black cars, uh, 
Do you see black cars at night? Uh, I just don't. I think black cars are some of the prettiest cars out there in the world. But they are tough to see. I, I will say that. On a dirt track, I just don't think they belong on a dirt track because they're so hard to see. It doesn't matter how good the lighting is. So, um, But that's another topic of discussion. But I just think that uh, um, Sammy had a, had a, a legitimate complaint that he was walking away to head to the trailer and the Zimmerman group was uh, sitting out there waiting for him. So Sammy came back to, to Scotty Cook and kind of – looked for protection and then uh, then he got on some mule and took off and, and everything was okay but uh yeah it was a I, I was watching it on flow and it was a, a pretty nasty crash and and uh just a terrible way to end uh, in the weekend for for sammy yeah i mean i never want to see any any cars get tore up like that but i mean i mean sammy kind of does have a point a little bit i mean w- with the kids you can buy a pit pass and go and show up a race you don't have to qualify or whatnot i mean you look at like the the uh, the uh, situation that we're seeing with the outlaws in Bristol Motor Speedway, where it's invite only because of stuff like that. So I mean, oh. I get that you know you need to get these kids up and and, and running with the the big boys, so to speak, with the three hundred and sixty stuff. And we don't really have like a minor league system like you know you see in baseball and hockey and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, well, what's ironic is. Sammy had a teammate and the son of the car owner was also racing on that same night, that son. And I don't have no idea how young this kid is. I have no idea how old he is and how much experience he's got, but he went into one and completely lost it and looped it right in front of Alex Hill. Alex Hill T-boned him, started flipping and took out another car. And so that kid who just bought a pit pass and had, I don't know what kind had of experience some, had some he had. Dad's money and took out at to had dad's money, took out Alex Hill and the, the, the other car. So uh, I was kind of ironic that it, that happened, but, uh, um, but Sammy does have a point. Anybody could, I could go out and buy a sprint car tonight and I could be on the track this weekend, have no experience. Kind of like that one squirrel driver from Texas. What was his name? Sean, uh, he he owned Print Place, Sean. Oh yeah, Sean. Uh, that guy destroyed so many cars and so many uh, on so many nights, and the only thing he had was money. He had no talent, and that's in exactly uh, the point that Sammy was making. And there's no qualifying. There's no uh, in NASCAR. You got to race in ARCA. You got you got to develop your way up into. Yeah, you the, have to have a license. NASCAR. You have to have a license to race. Basically, you know. With NASCAR stuff, you have to, you know, apply for your license. You got to show you that, you know, you know how to race and you you got to move up the, the, the series. So so what you're saying, Brad, is you're going to go out, uh, go run down to our friends at Speedway Motors here in the next, you know, day or so. Buy yourself a brand new car, 410, take that thing out and uh, run with the Outlaws this weekend at US 36? No, because I don't want to own a sprint car that's more valuable than the daily pickup that I drive every day. So no. <laughs> so, uh, so theoretically speaking, and, and hypothetically, <laughs> if if you were if you had the opportunity to get into a sprint car, where would you have your first race, and would you start on the pole if you you know you drew the pole for your heat race? I would. I would like to to race at Iety Speedway. Uh, I did the uh, um, Kenny Wallace Driving School out there and had a great time. Uh, I think that no matter what. If I draw drew the pill to start on the pole, I would start five lengths behind the last car. There is no way in hell I should or would start on the front row of a race it was with little or no experience. And and everybody that has done that should 
have moved to the back and, and you see it at the chili bowl all the time, those rookies should be in the back unless you're a proven rookie with it races a lot in sprint cars. And then you just dropping down to the midget. So you're a midget rookie. But for me, I would absolutely start in the very back of the pack and just, just learn until I got comfortable. Yeah, definitely. It's funny that you mentioned I-80 speedways where you make your uh, first competitive lap because I would also choose I-80. Uh, to me, you get spread out there. It gives me yep. a chance to fall way back and gives me a couple of laps before Dover comes and passes my ass. <laughs> maybe, maybe I might get a lap in before Dover comes and, and passes me, but you get spread out, spread out enough there and places like Eagle and, you know, your third miles, quarter miles and all that. You're in lap traffic right away. You're going to be in somebody's way. You don't, you're not yeah. going to really have a chance to go out there and, and make and a good quality laps. Yeah, exactly. I he's wider. Eagle is a little bit narrower and, and like, Knoxville would be way too fast and I wouldn't show up for Bristol in a couple of weeks, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it just, I think, uh, a, a medium sized track, uh, I-80 speedway would be a good place to, to kind of, to start your rookie season. Yeah. A place that's big, wide and banked. I mean, you can't go wrong with <laughs> I-80. So yeah, speaking of that, I think we are going to take, take a quick break here, uh, refill our beverages. Uh, my margarita is getting a little low. Uh, Brad, I don't know what you drink. What are you drinking tonight, by the way? I'm drinking a Code Beer Company Pale Ale. Absolutely love it. One of my favorite beers. Got a growler of it on Friday, saved it for today. And so I'm going to, I pop that thing open and I'm going to kill it tonight. Definitely. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to be joined back on the program with the uh, feature winner from the ASCS this week, uh, JJ Higgle. So everybody stay tuned. This shit, that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold This one for them hood girls Them good girls, straight masterpieces Styling, wildin', living it up in the city Got chucks on with Saint Laurent Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty I'm too hot Call the police and the fireman, I'm too hot Make a dragon wanna retire, man, I'm too hot Say my name, you know who I am, I'm too hot And my band bought that money, break it down Girls hit you hallelujah, girls hit you hallelujah Girls hit you hallelujah, cause Uptown Funk gon' give it to you Cause Uptown Funk gon' give it to you Just watch. Hallelujah. Girl, 
sit you, hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Welcome back to the show. Like I said, we are going to be here. We go. Can't talk right now. We're going to be joined here in just a few minutes uh, by JJ Hickle. Uh, very successful weekend with him with the uh, ASCS National Sprint Tour uh, down there at Devil's Bowl. Uh, like you said earlier in the intro, Brad, you know, he had to work for it. Yeah, he had. Uh, I just went back and looked, and uh, he started third on Friday night to win, and he started uh, sixth on Saturday night to win. So, yeah, he, uh, it just wasn't given to him. He didn't win from the pole, and on a strange track, he's. I don't know that he's ever been to. We can find that out pretty quickly here. I don't know that he's ever been to Devil's Bowl, but to win two races on a strange track uh, in front of that competition, that's a pretty impressive weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, you sweep the weekend. It's definitely definitely a good, solid weekend. As, and as he mentioned uh, with Scotty Cook in the interview on there on Flow Racing, he didn't drive 1,100 miles, you know, not to run with the uh, ASCS and, and do good things. Right, yeah. Uh, he he made that long trip from Washington uh, worth every penny, so uh, – um, I can't wait to hear how his weekend went. I, I know it pretty went pretty well, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, good to see a, a new new face and a new name in the winner's circle with the ASCS National Tour. Way his advantage as he works to the back straightway. He picked up win number one 24 hours ago. He'll make it win number two at the Devil's Bowl. JJ Hickel wins the Devil's Bowl Spring Nationals. Dylan Westbrook and across in second. Roger Crockett in third. Matt Covington to four, Scott Paguski and Fit Chase Randall. And so your winner, ladies and gentlemen. For the second time this weekend, the driver to Quilcene, Washington. The Apex Graphics Design and Prototype Chain and Manufacturing GF1 Chassis number 63. Race fans, give him a hand, J.J. Hickle. 
All right, race fans, we are now joined by the 2020 ASCS Sprint Week champion, the 2021 Devil's Bowl Spring National Champion, as you just heard there for our, by our friend Brian Holbert with the ASCS. He's also a 2021 ASCS National Rookie of the Year contender, as well as the current points leader with the ASCS. J.J. Hickel, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Hey, guys, I'm doing really good. Uh, happy to be on here. Good, good. Uh, you know, your name is a fresh name that, you know, we're, we're based here in Lincoln, Nebraska, I and mean, we haven't heard your name quite often that bit. But, you know, for this year, I mean, you won out in California. You now kicked off the ASCS uh, uh, season with, uh, with a sweep down there in Devil's Bowl. Your name's popping up in the headlines quite a bit this year. This, it's got to be exciting for you. Oh, man, it's great. You know, I've been, uh, been grinding for, for a long time now, over 10 years driving these cars and, you know, just kind of feeling my way, getting more and more comfortable and trying to hone my skills, you know, and uh, I'm going to do an opportunity to kind of travel. Last year was a really big, big year for us, winning that race on uh, Speed Week and winning the Sprint Week deal and then winning a race at home as well. So uh, then just to, just to kind of parlay last year into this year and keep on rolling and being fast right out of the gate is just it's super huge for our team. We're, we're really happy to be here doing it. Well, JJ, uh, this is Brad. I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts here. Uh, I, I come across you uh, probably about six or seven years ago. I, I was at a hotel. Uh, I was up in Eugene, Oregon for the National NCAA Track and Field Championships, and uh, we, we couldn't find a hotel in Eugene, so we went uh, just south of there to a small town about 20, 30 miles away, and uh, I had some free time, so I was going to go out for a run, and I come around the hotel, and there's this black and white with some red trim number three sitting underneath the shade tree, and you guys were doing some maintenance on it. And I thought, how freaking cool is this? I'm in Washington, or in Oregon, and there's a sprint car right there in the hotel that I'm staying at. So I went to come over and talk to you, and uh, you guys, the, the whole team was really nice about uh, uh, talking to a stranger. And I sat out there and talked to you guys for about an hour. So that's where I got to meet you. And uh, so I've, I've recognized the name, and I've kind of – kept an eye on on your name and you're, you're pretty solid up there in Oregon and Washington and then you branched down to California every once in a while but now holy cow you went down to Devil's Bowl Speedway I assume it's a strange track and you you took care of business on the weekend man that's a really cool story I'm assuming I, we we're probably in Crosswell in Oregon I think and we we're probably on some sort of a two-day show or a speed week deal but uh that's that's pretty awesome full circle talk to you six years later yeah uh, yeah. I think it was uh, it was a two day show in Cottage Grove, and I did get to go to one night at Cottage Grove, uh, and I couldn't even tell you who won. But uh, that was so cool during intermission. They welcomed the fans out to walk around the track and pick up the rocks off the track. So everybody grab a bucket and you just take one lap around the track and pick up rocks. And uh, but yeah, that, that was a good to see a new track. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of cool to see you back then. And and was that your own number three car? Or was that somebody you were driving for? No, that's a family car. The three car there, that's, uh, that's kind of been uh, my deal for, for a long time now. We, we run that car all over, you know, Washington, Oregon, Montana, and then we get down into California when we could. But, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty neat deal. That's, that's a good idea that Cottage Grove does that. I feel like more tracks should, should do something like that. The fans be happy to be on the track, and you'd have a lot less rocks out there. Yeah, definitely. I think our local track could do that here too, and as well. There's uh, I've been, I'm a photographer, and I've been hit by a few, uh, b- few mud clods and big rocks in the back, and I can't imagine getting hit by a rock, you know, going 100 mile an hour in a, in a sprint car. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, it's almost more dangerous for the fans and the people watching. Usually, because we got the helmets on. I mean, you can you can bang your helmet up and ring your bell a little bit, but 
the people watching. I mean, shoot, the, the most I've gotten hurt is usually been watching. You know, Friday night looked good. You picked up the win. I mean, just start off with the weekend. How, how did it start off, and how was that going for you? Yeah, you know, we, we showed up to this. We got to the track about 5 in the morning there on Friday and uh, slept most of the day and then, then rolled in there. And, you know, we kind of, kind of just uh, unloaded fast out of the box. I, I'm really comfortable on big tracks. And, you know, right out of the gate, we, we made a couple spots in our heat race and then went forward in our qualifier, you know, and I just really comfortable. The car felt good. The track was, you know, the easy, easy type of track to be comfortable in for, you know, early in the year as far as the first night when it was real uh real sticky hooked up it was, you just kind of drive around there make sure you keep the thing pointed straight and so uh it all worked out for us and then you know we just got into the lead there fairly early and about the midway point and got got a good run in traffic and uh just was able to hold off some really good guys on a bunch of restarts and you know was just glad to see the checker finally after we had about three different times it looked like it was going to be over and then we another restart so Friday, Friday went really smooth, about as good as you could ask for for your, you know, your, your maiden voyage on the national tour. And so you know, we, we went into Saturday excited and confident, and the track was completely different, uh, really slick and a lot more technical and, and a lot slower, but which actually you know makes the driving more difficult. And so it was really, really a fun racetrack. A lot of a lot of maneuvering, a lot of racing went on. Uh, the heat race we kind of struggled, just went fourth, third. And uh, in the in the qualifier, we were on the front row and able to pick up the win there. And then in the feature started sixth, had a good initial start, just kind of floated through the middle and, and went where they weren't, ended up third, and then uh, just picked them off one by one. Basically, kind of had a had a good good race there. Westbrook was leading for a long time, and uh, he was really good all night long. And it just just worked out to where he got behind a slow car, and I was able to go where he wasn't. And, uh, picked up the win it was just a kind of a dream weekend really yeah definitely the ASCS kind of threw us for a curveball earlier this year and they announced the uh the Delaware style double file restarts you mentioned that you know Friday night there's you know a couple cautions where you had it worked for it a little bit how has that restart affected the way you would uh you know do a normal restart and you know with the ASCS for the longest time it's been single file and you know you can't pass before you get to the cone I would say it threw everybody for a curveball. I I never knew we were doing that until the pit meeting, and I think that's kind of how everybody felt. And uh, it's all good. I, I don't really mind. The only thing that I kind of wish that they would work on is maybe the second-place car gets to choose inside or outside. But, uh, you know, the situations we were in, it's like, you know, once they tell you you're doing something like that, you're lining up where they tell you, and your job to make it work no matter what it is, you know. So so it, it, it worked out for us when you're the leader it doesn't really change your game plan much but uh when you're when you're in the pack it you know if you're deep in the pack it could give a guy an opportunity to work up through the field a little quicker where it also maybe it could breed more cautions or you know more crashing so there's a lot of pros and cons but that's that's not my deal i just want to tell me and, and try and go forwards yeah, I mean, it definitely something, you know, like I said, it threw everybody for a curveball. It's a little different than uh, the way the Outlaws do, where it's your traditional, you know, two-wide double-file restart. I kind of like having the leader out there, you know, picking his own lane and being out there by himself. But I, I guess, you know, if you're not leading, it doesn't really matter so much. I, as a leader, I mean, it's, as a leader, I feel like it's cool to have your own lane. I don't. The only thing I really don't like about it is that, uh, you know, say the top's really good one night, and then you're running second, and the guy running third's got nothing for you. And then he's starting on the top, and yes. you're starting second. Now you're now you're running third, maybe fourth, coming out of the corner. It's just you know situations like that. But those ASCS guys, it seems like they're uh, 
they'll they'll figure it out if it's not working, you know. Because as soon as, as soon as we had another caution or the track got one groove, they went to single file restarts the rest of the race. So you know they they're paying attention to it, not like leaving guys out to dry. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you made the uh, the decision to run. Uh take the the show on the road basically this year and uh you mentioned to scotty cook as he was doing an interview you didn't dra- travel you know 1100 miles out the devil's bowl to not run the full series what kind of led your led to your decision to uh to jump on and take on the ascs national tour this year well it's uh you know it's it's the warden's last year the people i drive for is doing ivan it's their last year going racing and you know i was talking to dude and Last year was going to be their last year, and then COVID happened and made everything weird, and we didn't know where we were going or if we could go or had to wear a mask in California all the time. And so she said she'd like to do one more year, but but like to get out of California. And I was like, man, I'd, I'd love to run this national tour deal. You know, it'd be about as many races as we'd race in California. It's just we happen to be going all over the country instead, you know. And she, she thought it would be great. She's going to bring her motor home along, and uh, that's – pretty much it you know you just the, the car owners were into the idea we were successful on sprint week last year so it kind of gave everybody confidence that we could come out here and, and do it and hang with these guys and whatnot so uh yeah just that and then just uh just a ton of ton of preparation and just uh hours hours of trying to get everything ready and dollars of trying to make it all happen and here we are so you you finished up the year last year with this sixty three team, um, didn't you? Yeah, I drove for them uh, full for the full season last year. I, I finished up uh, two years ago with them, and then I drove for them all year last year, and then uh, and then this year this will be this will be kind of our final our final go around here. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's that's cool that uh, um, she uh, they're going to go out with a bang like this, uh, and you you can't uh, complain about starting off with uh, two wins and two races. Yeah, you know, it's it's really great that they decided to go do this and to take me out here for this opportunity to kind of get my name out here. So, you know, hopefully whenever they're done, I don't have to be done type of deal or go back to the three car, you know. It's uh, trying to parlay this into the next thing, you know. But, uh, but yeah, it's great that they're out here, and it's awesome to be able to reward them with a couple of wins the first weekend, you know, and, and sh- kind of show everybody that we can do it and just keep the team around high and, uh, you know, just uh, hopefully we can keep having fun all the way along here. Yeah, that's definitely a hell of a retirement road trip, so to speak, you know, taking on the ASCS National Tour. You obviously kicked off the weekend with two wins. Uh, what were your goals, you know, coming off onto the onto the tour this year? Uh, I mean, I would say we definitely want to be on the podium in the points at the end of the year. You know, I feel like top three is something that we can achieve. It's, you know, it's not going to be easy by any means, but it's, it's something that we set out to do. You know, we it's their last year, but they don't, you know, they don't want to go out just kind of running in the middle here, so... We, uh, we're, we're trying to put our best foot forward every time and uh, be, be there at the end of the year in the points. And then I'd say, you know, win, win as many races as we can. I never really had a, an exact number set out or anything, but I, I want to win a lot of races and just, uh, just you know, do as much as we possibly can all year long to just be as good as we can and be towards the front every single night. Well, JJ, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Brandon and I were talking before we, we got you on the show. Uh, this could legitimately be one of the first times that a rookie of the year candidate also won the championship. And I know that's really premature to be talking about it after two races, but um, you're, you're a solid contender and to, to sweep the weekend, uh, you're, you're right there leading the points uh, this early in the year. Uh, that, that, that could be a legitimate uh, possibility for, for you and the 63 team this year with the ACS national tour. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's like to say that wasn't our goal when we all sit down and talk about it would be crazy. You know, that's that's pretty much what we set out to do. I mean, that's 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 kind of everybody's goal if you're going to commit to driving all around the country. But you know, even as a rookie type of team, you know, Ivan Warden, he's he's my crew chief. He's been setting up these things and, and building motors and stuff for for a long time. So he's by no means a rookie. You know, I've been cutting my teeth grinding, just just trying to get good enough for when I had an opportunity to to be able to produce and, you know, make it happen. And then I got my crew guys that's been with me for over 10 years, Pat, who just like puts his heart and soul into making sure those cars prepared all the time. So, you know, we come out here as a rookie and we, we don't have like a big, big truck and trailer or anything. We got kind of a little, a little caravan deal going on with our motorhome following us, but I, I feel like we truly have a chance to do it. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen for these guys. There's nothing better than a bunch of gypsies uh, rolling up and down the highways going to these races. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're hitting the road, making making the whole tour. Is there any tracks that you're looking forward to go to going to that you haven't been to yet this year or yet in your career? Definitely. I, I'm really looking forward to going to both the Pennsylvania tracks we go to. Williams Grove and uh, Selene's Grove there. Those places are both, you know, just big, legendary, awesome places, big, fast tracks, you know, and then, uh, Bulls, Bulls Gap in Tennessee is another place that I think just looks pretty cool. Just uh, it's just just fast and wicked looking, and you know, there's just there's all sorts of neat places, all these different places I haven't seen before. I'm just excited to you know get to be there, and, you know, put it put all that information into my log and and see see the country and enjoy myself all over the place. Yeah, we don't get the ASCS that often around here. We get them at I-80 Speedway, and then the next closest is up in Knoxville. I know you've been there in the past with with the 63 team. Uh, do you have any like set goals for, for this year when you guys roll into Knoxville? You know, Knoxville's so damn tough. It doesn't matter how good you're rolling anywhere else. Uh, you, you, it's probably going to be humbling when you go there. You know, I, I really started to feel good there towards the end of uh, – when we were, you know, at the 360 Nationals last year after going there a few times before. And, uh, you know, I, I was feeling pretty good and pretty confident, but, you know, it, those guys are so damn good that it's just to go there and to make the show. I, want, I would love to run up front in that show. I mean, that's, that's kind of everybody's goal, and I, I, I think it's something we could do, but hopefully we can go there a few times before before we get there for the 360 Nationals because uh, <laughs> that's about the toughest toughest place you can go for just, just once or twice a year. Well, the, the ASCS uh, National Tour is going to be swinging by Nebraska one time this year. I think it is uh, September 11th, uh, I-80 Speedway in Greenwood, Nebraska. It's about halfway between Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, one of Brandon and I's favorite tracks, it's a, what do they call it, a four-tenth mile track. And I don't know why in the hell they don't call that a two-fifth mile track because that's exactly what it is. But uh, the track is always very well prepared. It's a late model track for the most part, but... Uh, the Kaziskis, uh, they do a great job of prepping that track. So if you like to go fast, this is going to be a track that you're going to fully enjoy. Awesome. Well, that'll be great. I'll look forward to going there, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys there. Yeah, we'll definitely be there. Uh, before we let you go, JJ, I want to, well, obviously I want to thank you for taking a couple minutes out of your Tuesday evening and uh, jumping on the podcast with us. Um, where's the next race for you? Is it going to be an ASCS race, or are you guys uh, going to race out in California, or what's next for you guys right now? No, we're just going to be uh, following the tour here. Our next race, we're scheduled to be in uh, Greenville, Texas, here at the Super Bowl Speedway on Thursday. And then uh, Friday and Saturday, we'll be in Little Rock, Arkansas. And all that will be on, you know, racing boys and, and slow and all that. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's 
should be good. Should be should be good. We'll be following the tour. Anytime there's a points race, we'll be out here. And then we don't really have any intentions on racing back in California. I mean, we don't. Not that we don't like racing there or nothing. We just all of everything we have is out here with us on the road, and we won't be back there until the points deal's done out here in you know October or whatever that is. So probably uh probably won't see the 63 in california for a while this year i didn't realize the ascs was uh kicking it off full full steam ahead i didn't realize they were racing this weekend it would help if i actually looked at a schedule <laughs> <laughs> that's all good we have a race this weekend and then we actually have next weekend off but it looks like there's like a two-day show at lake ozark that we'll probably head over to and try and get some laps there and get comfortable there yeah lake ozark is a great racetrack i think you'll like that place it looks like a lot of fun. I've watched a lot of videos there, and it looks like something that would be our style of, our style of racing. JJ, I have a question for you. Um, I, I have been to Skagit, and I've, had, I've been to uh, Cottage Grove. Uh, is there a track that you prefer over others? Are you a, do you consider yourself a short track person, uh, a, a bigger track? I, I know there, there's probably not a lot of huge tracks out there in Washington and Oregon, but – um, and the reason I brought that question up is because I, I 30 speedways is a short track. Um, uh, uh, Missouri, uh, I just drew a blank on that. Lake Ozark, Lake Ozark is a smaller track. Uh, is, is there a track that you prefer over the others, or do you welcome all the tracks? I mean, I, I'm pretty welcoming. I, I just enjoy two lanes of racing and, and good racy tracks, but – but it seems like, you know, I learned at Grace Harbor Raceway there where you're talking about, I have a lot of laps of Skagit. Both those places race pretty fast. And uh seems like most of the bigger, faster tracks, you know, we just had a really good weekend at Devil's Bowl, which is a half mile. And uh seems like all the bigger, faster places were just really comfortable and roll really well at. The, the racing might not be quite as close or exciting necessarily, but... uh you know, I, I just I, I like I like having that wing speed, and I think it's I think the bigger tracks probably suit my style a little better. But I shoot after racing in California all year last year, I'm pretty much forced to like little tracks too now. <laughs> I'm a little track <laughs> little track guy myself, just because I I like the action and whatnot. And you know, as you as far as a fan goes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I want to thank you for jumping on with us. Like I said, taking time out of your Tuesday. Uh, continued success. Hopefully, we find that 63 back in Victor Lane here real soon. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll be sitting on, on the uh, top of the point standings here at the end of the year. Yes, sir. No problem, guys. Uh, hopefully that's the case, and I uh, appreciate the time, and we'll, we'll be in touch. I'll see you guys here in, in Nebraska. Yeah, definitely. We'll make sure we stop by and introduce ourselves. Yeah, glad to talk to you again. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Perfect. JJ. Thank Sounds good. Have a good, have a good weekend, uh, and good luck this weekend. Thank you, guys. Take care. Yeah. All right, that was JJ Hickel on, on the hotline with us, man. It's... Uh, it sounds like they they're they're a prepared bunch for this retirement tour with the car owner, and that that's a hell of a way to go out is to live out a dream and hit the road with these machines and uh, just you know having having fun. Well, they're going to get to see a lot of the country, that's for sure. But uh, props to him, just wanting to make a name for himself and see what the next opportunity is. And hell, you can't start off any better than he did. He's got three wins this year, and if I was actually keeping track of winners lists, uh, he would. He would probably be right there uh, at the top with uh, – I don't even know who else would have three wins. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sheldon has two. I know that much. Yeah, Mark Smith has two. Uh, yeah, he would be right there. So uh, props to him, and uh, good luck the rest of this season, and hope, uh, hope it turns out well for him. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to get the uh, IB Racing uh, winners list be an exclusive list to the Quick Time Podcast. So uh, get on that, Brad. <laughs> I might have to. Uh, I, I got the itch, but I, I can't. I can't believe how much work would go into something like that. 
<laughs> you're searching websites all day long trying to find the the little 305 wins in northern Texas that you don't even know there's a race. Track, I, I so. search websites all, all day long, and it's not for the little 305 races. It's for uh, other things. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what are we talking uh, about here? <laughs> I might uh, start paying attention to like the, the more popular wins, uh, the more popular drivers and stuff, but uh, – We'll see, but that'll, that'll make the conversation go a little bit better. <laughs> Definitely. So, all right, guys, we're going to take another quick break here, and we're going to be joined on the phone with the uh, – I always want to say the mouth from the south, Scotty Cook. I mean, it, sound, he, it sounds like an old WWF kind of nickname with him. The dude loves to talk. He can tell a story, uh, and like I said, he, he doesn't shy away from a microphone. So Scotty Cook is going to join the program with us here in, in just a few seconds. So everybody go get a refill. All right, guys, joining us on the program is one guy who's never shy when it comes to uh, talking on a microphone. Mr. Scotty Cook from uh, Racing Boys and the ASCS National Tutor. Scotty, man, it's been a long time since we talked to you. Uh, how you doing, my friend? It's been a while. I'm doing good. How you guys doing up there in the corn shucker land? <sighs> you know, trying to stay dry right now. It's been raining all past three damn days. It's that time of year, boys. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, we haven't started racing here yet, so it hasn't affected things too much. Right. For sure. Yeah, you can. Uh, it's always a crapshoot this time of year. You know, you uh, anything that's on the schedule uh, around the Midwest in March and April, you can just cross your fingers and hope that you can get it in because Mother Nature always rears her head around this time of year around here. You guys know that as well as I do. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Uh, but, you know, you went down south, was down in Devil's Bowl this past weekend. Uh, we had J.J. Hickel on uh, earlier in the show today uh, talking about his cool. victories. But, uh one thing I want to talk right off the get-go is you had a little incident. I, sh- I shouldn't say you had the incident, but there was a little incident with Sammy Swindell and Justin Zimmerman. And you, my friend, not shy at all. You're right in there. I mean, how can you go into a situation like that when you got one pissed-off, angry driver in Sammy Swindell and, you know, you got the Zimmerman, the Zimmerman clan wanting to fight Sammy right there. You got security guards holding him out. And you you have to do your job and get in there and get 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 the scoop basically and uh, I couldn't do it. Well, it uh, firstly it comes with a, a good amount of seat time after doing it all these years, but uh, um, you kind of have to fly by the seat of your ass and you kind of have to uh, let your gut tell you when the time is right. First thing you got to do is make sure that they're cleared of the EMTs and, uh, and, and good to have a talk with you. And, and you're in times past, I've been guilty, uh, on occasion. Sorry about the bell. I just got home no, you're getting okay. out of my vehicle. Um, but, uh, years past and on occasion uh, before, you know, I've been guilty of uh, maybe, uh, hopping in a little bit too early. Um, but you know, it's just, Thank goodness, uh, by the, by the grace of, uh, having a really, I don't know, a, a, a good relationship. And I've been really blessed over the years that I've, uh, formed good relationships with, uh, people. Some have, uh, drivers, some have become like brothers, some are acquaintances and some like Sammy, uh, over time, I think they have just gotten to know who I am and, and, 
uh, it's, I think it's a blessing that I get a good, a lot of respect from, from so many people. And, uh, um, it's funny that you say that because maybe the first year or so after I started pit reporting, uh, yeah, I was a little antsy, uh, maybe apprehensive when I'd see a big crash about, whoa, wow, I'm going to go in here and get in the middle of this. But now it's almost like it's instinct. I, I, no sooner in a car gets in the air, I'm, I'm on my way there. And like I said, you know, you always have to, first of all, make sure that the driver is a okay. And, uh, in this instance, in this instance, I wasn't sure because what the video didn't show is when Sammy got out of his car, he was a little bit, he was a little bit discombobulated and fell down. And, uh, and then once he got up to his feet and got his bearings straight, and then that's when all the uh, fireworks unfolded. So, um, I, you know, Sammy Swindell, bless his heart, that that old fella has always, always given me great interviews. And uh, I, this 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 one this past weekend was pretty epic, and it was up to this point one of the most memorable interviews <laughs> I've ever done with him. Obviously, but uh, <laughs> I, but it. Oh no! I I just hated to see two cars destroyed, and I'm just glad that they were both okay. Um, I I've got two you know, questions for you at, on that whole situation. Uh, go ahead. One, have, have you seen the video, the the Facebook meme of um, of a voiceover of your interview with Sammy Swindell? About him, uh, the damn kids stay off my lawn. I have, Brad. I, I have. What the hell? Hilarious. What the hell, Brad? You didn't send this. We could have done a little pre-race, uh, pre-pre-show oh, uh, prep in here. I could have had the clip playing right now. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. It's hilarious. It, it was money. I, I the guy that did that was it, epic. That was a great interview. But um, the, the Sammy sound bites. I think we're going to add to some of the sound bites on our show because i was thinking that I, I when you guys that. rolled your opener i thought wow we might have another one just to add to their opener. i think we do <laughs> what's sammy, absolutely what's sammy i think we're gonna add one what sammy say this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you, I, I, you know it was uh it was a moment in time i hated that it happened we so happened to be there in the heat of the moment and like i say sammy always gives us Good stuff, and I'm thankful that he's always respectful. Um, whether we catch him in the heat of the moment or whether he's putting tear-offs on or whatever. So far as the incident, I'm not one that can, I, 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 you know, in the media, you're not supposed to choose sides or you're not supposed to play favorites. Yeah, I know. know what <laughs> I know what the video. I know what I saw in the video, and I don't know that I can necessarily agree with everything that Sammy said, I think that he had more than enough room to get himself between Zimmerman and the tractor tire on the infield. And, uh, he, he uh, what's funny about it is, uh, he kept talking about kids. Well, Zimmerman is not necessarily a kid. He, I think he's mid thirties. So, oh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, uh, the, 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 the only truth, uh, the, the one bit of truth that came out of his uh, sermon that he preached to us was that, yes, there are a a good amount of youngsters with a lot of resources that come in and unload and think that, you know, that, that, that 
that I'm a professional race car driver and times have changed a lot in that department, you know, back 20 years ago, you didn't see things like that. But, um, that's not to say that we're, we're filled with all of us fans and media sprint car racing. We're, we're blessed right now to see an unbelievable crop of young, young, really talented drivers. And so, uh, that's kind of a, the, 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 the opposite of what Sammy was preaching about, but uh, I do agree with him in some sort. Not all of those youngsters that don the suit, the glove, the helmets uh, have the talent to necessarily mandate that they're doing what they're doing, but uh, it is what it is. It's the world we're living in. And um, I'm like I said, I'm just glad they're all right. And it was definitely a moment in time. That's for sure. And well, the coolest part about it all was to uh, I was scrolling through Facebook on my feed the day after. And I saw a post from Sammy and a picture of his fishing pole. He's just relaxing and digesting it all and fishing on his, on the dock. That, that was cool. That's, that's the way to end a, a, a tough weekend, but uh, Indeed. I, got, I, I got two points. Uh, one, um, what I found kind of ironic and Brandon and I talked about this in the first part of the show was um, Sammy was a teammate to a younger kid. And I have no idea how young his teammate was but his teammate was the exact same way he bought a ticket he drove a race car he damn near spun out in turn one took out alex hill alex hill um, was flipping and another car hit her um same thing happened there Uh, a young kid went into turn one spun out took out alex hill um so you know i I found that kind of ironic but it it is what it is i've driven only a a uh, sprint car on a very limited basis on a Kenny Wallace driving school that was severely governed. So I have no idea what happens in a real race car, but uh, I I think one thing that the the reason you get some good interviews in the heat of the moment is you usually go out and first thing you say is Sammy, are you okay? Or, or whatever. And glad to hear you're okay. And you're not injured. I think that kind of, brings a reality to the situation and that uh, they're, 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 going to live enough to see another day. And I think, I think that helps soften the blow, so to speak. And, and then they can give you a, a pretty good interview. Well, I think that, you know, if, uh, and I do that often for sure is, is first of all, are you okay? And it's, it's kind of a, an extra way to show your gratitude because you just flipped your ass off. And now I'm standing here seconds removed wanting to talk to you. So just to politely, make sure that you're okay or ask or mention glad you're okay. I think it's just an extra expression of gratitude for them taking the time to uh, speak with you. It's so funny um, talking about all of this. Uh, What comes to mind was Lucas Oil Speedway about seven years ago. I don't remember. It might have been longer than that. It was a power eye midget race, I believe. And um, our little buddy Cameron Hagen from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was standing down in the infield in turn one and Cameron hopped a wheel coming off of turn four as he got the race car righted to go down the straightaway. He cartwheeled all the way down the front straightaway and the car veered off into the infield and he ended up about 20 yards from where I was standing. So I made it there before the EMTs and uh, actually kind of helped him unbuckle and get out of the car as the EMTs were arriving. They had not tossed it down to me yet from the broadcast booth. But the while the EMTs uh, talked to him and looked him over as I backed away, um, they threw it down to me. 
So as they threw it down to me, I began to talk and I kind of slid in and uh, started to, to talk with Cameron. Cameron's a big old boy. He's about six foot two, 200 plus. And uh, he had his arm around me when they, when, when the interview began. And as I'm asking my first question, I felt his weight get heavier and heavier and heavier. And about the time I'm about to toss the mic to him to answer the first question, my man just faded out, fell out on me, passed out right there in the, in the middle of the interview. I'm like, well, I think we got a little bit of problem. We probably better throw it back up top side. But Cameron and I laugh about that often. That's a, I've had quite a few, quite a few funny things happen over the years. That's one of the funnier ones. And talking about all this kind of reminds me of that. But uh, yeah, all in all, a good weekend. I, like I said, man, uh, you know, I hated to see uh, two cars like that get destroyed. I, I, I kind of hated that I didn't have an opportunity to speak with. Zimmerman, um, that would have been double the bang for your buck with that whole episode. But Absolutely. after after they bucked up and uh, started yelling at each other, uh, Zimmerman never took his helmet off, which you're never supposed to when you get into a fight. Uh, <laughs> he he ended up turning around, walking away while I was talking to Sammy. So I didn't have an opportunity to chat with him. You could have heard both both sides of it. Um, but anyway, is what it is, was what it was, and it'll go down as one of the most memorable interviews that I ever did with Sammy. And um, while he's still active in races, racing and uh, competitive, it's likely probably not the last good interview we'll get from him. Yeah, probably. probably not <laughs> I think it's Sammy. just. I think it's just. I, I know you both. You guys would agree because you both have been around this a long time and you understand. You know this sport very well. I think it's the most fascinating, interesting thing in the world that at 60 plus years of age, he is still uh, competitively sprint car racing. I think last year broke a string. Last year was the first time that he went a whole season without winning a feature since his career began when he was about 14 years ago, years old, uh, about 51 years ago. Not true. Amazing. Not true. Not true. Not true. Go ahead. Did he win all race last year? He went towards the very end of the year. He went to a midget, like a mi- yeah, like a pavement. micro midget. Micro midget. Yep. He, yeah, he won a I race. Didn't he won that he race up there somewhere. I didn't realize it. It's up in the East Coast somewhere. Um, and he does that about once a year. And I didn't realize that he had won that race last year. So the string's still alive. He's still competitive. It's just crazy. He's still man. winning, baby. <laughs> it's still. It's just crazy. So. Anyways, now, Scotty, you mentioned that, you know, being being in the media, being the professional that you are, that you're not supposed to have favorites. But we all know that you had there's one guy that has always been one of your favorites, and that's the uh, late, great Jesse Hockett. And and, uh, I mean, I'm sure you have a ton of great stories about Jesse. Unfortunately, you know, I, you know, doing the photo stuff, I I did not appreciate and get to know Jesse when when he was with us that I wish that I would have had. But there's one photo uh, that I got that uh, of you interviewing Jesse. I believe it was in 2008 down there at the Tulsa Expo Center at the Chili Bowl, and uh, it was maybe four or five years ago. Uh, I, I presented to you that that uh, that photo in a in a nice little frame. And uh, what happened in that frame there, bud? Well, <laughs> it kind of it kind of reminds me of the uh, ABC Wild World of Sports opener back in the day when you pres- gave that to me. It melted my heart in two, and I, and and within moments, 
it went to it all went to hell. So within a within a within a five minute time span, it was the thrill of victory. Not that I'd won, but I'd won a very beautiful picture that I knew that I would covet forever. And uh, then it went to the agony of defeat. And it, I think it happened right in front of you. Saw it happen. Yeah. Did it, you not? Yeah, it happened in slow motion. I'm like, oh, oh I dude, like- I felt <laughs> I felt so awful about that, and I still do. Uh, so uh, uh, I guess we need to just. Are you going to make me describe what <laughs> yeah, happened? I, I, I am. Miserably? No one's going to tell a story better than you will. <laughs> well, I think when you presented that eight eight and a half by eleven frame photo of myself and Jesse. Uh, the feel good had not even begun to war wear off yet. And I was sitting on the golf cart and I believe I sat the framed photo on the seat of the golf cart. And then I said to you, I think I remember saying to you, I think I'm going to put it down here so it doesn't fall off in the floorboard. And for some reason I had to hop off the golf cart real quick. And then I hopped back on, yeah. I hopped back it didn't on, fall like, off. No, it didn't fall off. It stayed right where I had placed it in the floorboard. But when I got back on the golf cart, my right foot crunched it. Yeah. And I felt like, uh, well, I can't say what I felt like, but I, it, it was, it was very uncool. And I, I couldn't apologize to you enough. And I think all you wanted to do was laugh at me. And I say, was trying, right. I was trying not to laugh, but it, it was, it was funnier than shit. And, uh, it's all right. It, make you another one. Yes. Here, here's a footnote to that story. What's funny. Uh, that photo, I ended up getting another frame for that photo and I proudly displayed it in my place out in New Mexico where I lived last year. And I recently moved all my stuff back from New Mexico and I didn't run across that photo when I was unboxing and looking through stuff. So, man, we might have to do a reprint of it. But Definitely. it's probably buried buried away in a bazillion boxes. No, that's but all right. I got, I got, I I got so them here. So. I so appreciated that gesture. And you're right, Brandon. Um, no, I try not to be biased. Yes, personally, in between my ears, and I don't share it with a lot of people, I do have people that I – pull for, I root for, that I love, and some, uh, just like Jesse, uh, Jesse was like a little brother to me, and um, so yeah, he was a friend, I pulled for him, I had so many wonderful memories, so many good times with him and Daniel McMillan, his crew chief, which, you know, the most amazing part of Jesse Hockett's legacy is the way he, uh, the way his career turned a page upon the passing of his best friend, his crew chief, his shadow, they didn't go anywhere without each other, Daniel McMillan, his cousin. And when Daniel passed prior to Jesse's passing, Jesse went on an absolute rampage and he couldn't be beat. I mean, he was, he was on an absolute roll. And what I saw during that time period before he eventually passed away, it was all fueled. It was all fueled by grief. And he was, he was grieving and he'd lost the, the most, one of the most important people ever in his life. And I think his only way to grief grieve was to 
just do it on the racetrack and just pour his heart out. And that's exactly what we saw before he passed away. And it was truly amazing. I mean, 10 years removed, I flashed back on that moment in time and I'm still so amazed with how that transpired and unfold. And, and it definitely goes without saying, I, I so, so very much miss that little redheaded mouthy butthole. I really do. <laughs> I really, I miss both them boys so very much. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to keep in touch with his mom and dad, Jack and Connie Hockett, you know, obviously the void will never, ever, ever be filled for them. And sometimes I wonder how they go forward, but with their chins high and their shoulders tall, they do, they march forward each and every day and, um, long live the rocket, Jesse Hockett, man. Love him so much. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I, I never, uh, Never got a chance to actually meet Jesse all too much. I, you know, exchanged a few words here and there at the racetrack. But uh, one of the coolest things I remember is, I want to say it was 2011 when uh, the ASCS returned to I-80 Speedway because Jesse was supposed to race an ASCS Midwest uh, region race the, the weekend that he passed. But uh, our good old friend Billy Alley parked that uh, number 22 in victory lane with the Hockett on the uh, the wing cab, and that was one of the coolest things I've seen. And, and Billy and Jesse were great buds. I believe Billy was even the, I want to say the best man at Jesse's wedding. So, I mean, it was great to see that, you know, Brandon indeed. Yes. Uh, Billy was the best man in Jesse's wedding. And those two were brothers united. In fact, Billy and Aislinn, um, hopped on the plane, uh, after the wedding and went overseas somewhere tropical to the honeymoon. But, um, man, that that's so sad to me and i catch myself all the time and i'm guilty for not reaching out i've got his phone number um so much time has passed and it reminds me that i just need to call but 10 years removed i still worry a lot about billy alley and um not many know those on the inside do know that when Jesse passed, um, a big part of Billy passed and, uh, a big part of Billy's life was lost. And on top of that, the desire to drive a sprint car was lost. And then shortly after that, he start, you know, they, they had children and, and he stepped away from the game and he's a, he's one of the most beautiful fathers ever. He's very active in his son's wrestling. Uh, I think the, the, his boy, both boys are going to be athletes like he was. Um, but I so much love rock and roll Billy Alley. And it, it, it's such a sad deal that to see how, when Jesse passed, how much it affected uh, Billy. And I know, it, it, it affected Billy way beyond what anybody, any outsider uh, understood or could be aware of. It, it, it affected him to the point of stepping back and looking at life and what it's all worth and a very, very deep state of depression for a, a long time. And I think to this day, that that he's fighting he's, he's still fighting with the loss of jesse hockett and it's uh it's just a testament of their friendship and their loyalty to each other and how much they loved each other and um i'm just glad that billy alley is one of the best dads ever married to one of the sweetest women ever uh raising two wonderful young young boys um 
and uh, he's he's just living his life now normally. And 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 uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you know now he's going through it uh, round two uh, upon the loss of his wonderful father last last recently. So um, if Billy Alley or Aislinn Alley or any other family hears this, Scotty Cook loves you so much and I miss him so much. I'm going to reach out to him soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Brett and I were talking about this earlier. We could we could have you on for hours and hours with stories and, and whatnot with you. Uh, one thing I want to check in on is the World Outlaws are going to be kind of in your backyard, so to speak. You know, Missouri, it's all one big yard in my book. Uh, they're going to be at a uh, they're going to be at US 36 Speedway. What can you tell us about that racetrack? I know you've been there a ton of times. I've been there many, many times. And um, US, 36 race, US 36 Raceway in Osborne, Missouri, uncharacteristic um, in that it is different from four out of other five tracks that you go to in Missouri, especially in Missouri. Most tracks, most tracks you go to in Missouri will uh, – you don't see a lot of black gumbo tracks. Um, uh, you don't see a lot of race tracks that don't go bone slick dry. This, uh, that this place, from the time the green flag drops during hot laps to the end of the race, stays hooked up, and it is cowboy up, and it's tacky. It's black gumbo. It's high banked. It's a bull ring. And it's always, always high flying excitement. Um, for some reason, we had a we had an opportunity. Myself and Scott Trailer Racing Boys had an opportunity to go up there when they were up there last fall. And I'm trying to remember who won that race. I'm so guilty of that. Um, I'm almost thinking Brad Sweet might have won. I don't remember. I do remember the lights went out right when they were pushing off for the feature, so we had a little delay. Actually, they it was, were green, it was they were green Sweet, flag racing. Yeah, it was Brad Sweet on the last lap pass of Sheldon Hot Shield. Mm-hmm. How do you remember that stuff, boy? I think that's the opposite. I think Sheldon come out it, of four. It might have been. Sheldon yeah. won. Sheldon, Sheldon passed Brad Sweet on the last lap. Yeah, I think it, coming out of four, Sheldon had the high side. Got pinched into the wall. Brad got held up by a lap car, and and Sheldon got him at the line. Yeah, that was right before the Outlaws came to I eighty. And that, you're we, exactly right. And we had Brad exactly. on that on the on the show that weekend. So, uh, uh, over the last, uh, uh, my gosh, it's so funny. I I tell people all the time that you go to so many races, and you guys do too. And I don't know how you. Yeah. You go to so many races. It seems like no sooner than I leave a racetrack after it's over. Like the next week, I'm asking myself, who who won? Who won that? It's like they all blend together, and it's uh, I have a difficult time recounting that stuff. But uh, what my point that I was trying to make is that US thirty six US thirty six Raceway is awesome. It's deluxe. My favorite racetrack in the whole United States is the I fifty five Raceway in Peavey, Missouri, uh, for the very reasons that I described uh, US thirty six being so. Uh, US 36, a lot like Peavely, high banked, fast, hooked up, feeding moisture. Um, they had had a trademark swale hole divot. And I don't mean a small one, it was a big one. Uh, down in turn one, right in the middle of the groove, forever at that place. And when I went back there last fall for that World of Outlaw show, it was gone. They, they dug it up. Redid. I don't know if in due time it'll resurface, but uh, 
that big hole is gone. So um, at any rate, Osborne, Missouri, US 36 Raceway, World of Outlaws. If you're a sprint car fan, I say be there or be square. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be there. Yeah, you got uh, your ASCS duties down. And uh, where are you at this this week? I know JJ just messed with you. Speedway. Yeah, Thursday, Little Rock. Thursday night, we are scheduled in Greenville, Texas at the Super Bowl Speedway. I don't know that that's going to happen because Mother Nature looks like she's going to wash that out at 70% chance of rain. But Friday and Saturday, we are at Hammer Hill, Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, that place is always exciting as well. It's one of the marquee bull rings across the country. And, boy, we've seen some doozies down there. But, hey, before I forget, since you guys um, mentioned him and have mentioned him a couple times, you talked to him earlier today, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you how impressive it is that J.J. Hickle out of Quilcene, Washington, came down there and smoked their asses two nights in a row this weekend. That field was a quality field. And for him to come out and win, not only on the first night, but to back it up the second night, man, that's flexing your muscle there. Not a lot of, not a household name and not a lot of people know about him, but I've been fortunate to see him race over the last seven or eight years. And every time I've been up to the Pacific Northwest, uh, there's a lot of talent sprint car drivers up there and he is by far one of the most talented sprint car drivers up there not to mention an awesome human being he's just a wonderful guy easy to talk to great to get along with but an amazing effort for jj hickle to kick off the 2021 lucas oil american sprint car series campaign and oh by the way He's going to tackle the tour this year. So he leaves Devil's Bowl with a points lead and a whole lot of momentum rolling into this weekend. And it's going to be fun to see how he fares throughout the course of the season. To be honest with you, I think he's going to give the rest of everybody chasing the tour everything they want. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to have their hands full holding him off because um, he, you know, last year when the COVID had everything locked down in the Democratic states of the country, Washington was locked down. Washington was locked down. So in the heat of the summer in July, he saw that um, Terry Maddox with the ASCS had put together a speed week and he decided to load up since they hadn't been able to race and come down and run speed week with us. What did he do? Pulled off two big wins and a speed week championship. Uh, J.J. Hickel is very talented and very fast. And uh, it's cool to know that he is out here creating a name for himself um, on on a on a big stage. So we'll see a lot of good things to come from him this weekend or or this season, and and we'll see it how to, how it all pans out. I'm just very proud of his efforts this past weekend. Yeah, definitely for but, sure. That's kind of what we talked about during the interview. Is is I told him I said JJ with with what he is doing and what he's done the last two years tackling the ASCS National Tour, I would not be at all surprised if he not only wins the ASCS National Championship, but he also wins the Rookie of the Year title as well because uh, hell of a start to, uh, down there in Devil's Bowl. And uh, um, no disrespect to any of the other drivers. Uh, I don't even know who's all committed to the, the National Tour, but um, he's as good as any of them. And uh, for him to go down to a strange track and sweep the weekend uh, – He's got to be the favorite to win the Rookie of the Year and the ASCS National Championship uh, points at the end of the year. 
That's funny you say. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned during the Victory Lane interview, I said, not only are you going to leave here with the rookie of the year points lead, you're you're leading the tour. You got the points lead of the national tour. He also mentioned in that interview, I think, that the last time he said that he was at, he had been to Devil's Bowl one previous time, and that was in 2008. And that was before Devil's Bowl was reconfigured. Um, it used to be a great big flat, not a lot of banking and not very wide half mile. Now it has become one of the more technical tracks that anybody that drives a sprint car will drive on because it's a great big D shape. And uh, once you go through turns one and get into turn two, you start gaining elevation, and once you get to the middle part of the back straightaway, you are about 15 feet taller, 15 feet higher in elevation than you are to the front straightaway. So once you get past the middle portion of the back straightaway, it's a great big downhill swoop into turn three, hauling the mail, and each and every one of those guys that run that place will tell you that turn four wall comes up quick so it's a very technical track um and to know that it's not the same track that he visited when he was there in 2008 makes this weekend's efforts all the more um impressive and we'll see a lot of good things to come from that young man this year yeah definitely we can keep tabs on everything with the ascs national tour from our friends at racing boys and on flow racing scotty man i want to thank you for jumping on the show with us tonight uh, definitely going to have to have you on again and tell some more stories because uh, I know you got a lot of them. It has been my pleasure, guys. Anytime. And uh, haven't seen any either one of you knuckleheads in a good while, Brad Brown or Bradley and or Brandon Anderson. And uh, I'm just happy to catch up with you for a minute. And uh, I, I thought to myself uh, before I came on, I thought, well, what, since when did the transition take place or how did the transition come about that you went from a photog to a media man. I never even thought I, I, I would have always thought that Brandon Anderson was too shy to even remotely have anything like into a talk show. How about that? Congratulations, it's, boys. It's amazing what happens when you get about four beers in me. Yeah, right. Right. I don't do those anymore. Yeah. We, we started this deal kind of as uh, just a reason to get together and, uh, and drink some beer and talk racing. So might as well record it. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Well, you you better go microwave your food that you just went through the drive-through with. It's probably cold by now. You better go microwave that thing so you have a a warm dinner to to sit down to. One McDonald's McChicken going in for about twenty seconds, guys. <laughs> All right, Scotty, thanks for jumping on with us, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you and uh, definitely make sure I catch up with you when uh, the SCS rolls into town at Ivy Speedway, and I'm sure I want to see you down the road at some point. Be well, guys. We'll see both of you soon. All right, have a good Take one, care. Scotty. Thank you. Take, take care. All right. That was Scotty Cook on the phone with us. Uh, guy has some stories. Uh, we, we, we warned everybody that, you know, he doesn't shy away from a microphone. The wheel fell off the bus, man. That thing kept rolling down the hill. Yeah. He, he, he's a, a great interviewer. He talks forever. Um, he, I, I prefer the Cliff Notes version, but, uh, hey, uh, um, he's a good interviewer, and he has a lot of stories. And like you said, he could go on forever. And, uh um, he's probably seen more than you and I have ever have at a racetrack, but uh, glad he stopped by to say hi for a while and uh, tell us a few stories and, and give us his opinion on the ASCS National Tour. 
Yeah, for sure. Brad, uh, before we wrap things up, what you got going on this weekend? Uh, you're going to probably be out of town at some track meet, or are you going to you know, be one of the, yeah. the guys going down to US 36 and watching the Outlaws? Oh, I'd love to go to US 36, but no, for, uh, Thursday morning, 5 a.m. departure. Uh, we're heading to Bloomington, Indiana for a track meet. No, I'm not going to go watch Steve Kinzer or Craig Kinzer or meet up with Carl and and Mark Kinzer. I'm going to go to a track meet and watch uh, watch some athletes uh, compete. It's going to be cold, rainy, and windy there, but uh, uh, job calls. So, yeah, I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> wow, that was easy to say. Yep. Bloomington, Indiana <laughs> on Thursday morning. All right, sounds good. I will be at uh, the normal spot for me on uh, the uh, off-season of racing, and uh, that's at the Icebox with the uh, Lincoln Stars. So, uh, really, full, really full quickly, I just wanted to touch on base that Arizona Speedway is closing oh, yeah. down after April 4th. Um, April 3rd, they're going to have a last dance race, uh, five classes of cars and sprint cars. Once again, the freaking people are too stupid to not live by a racetrack and too many complaints about noise. And so after 11, uh, they started racing in 2011 and they're shutting the, shutting it down, uh, too many noise complaints. And so, uh, the great uh, racing world loses another racetrack because people are too stupid to uh, understand that you don't live, you don't go buy a house by a racetrack and expect to live in peace. Yeah, for sure. I think that should be one of our uh, driving topics of the week. Maybe we can tackle that next week. So uh, if you have any, sure. any opinions that you want to share about the, uh, about, you know, a neighborhood moving into a racetrack, basically, so to speak. Uh, give us a call, 402-937-9003. Leave us a message on Facebook or anything like that, and we'll we'll play your comments, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm pretty sure all race fans are going to say you don't you do not do it unless you – unless you uh, you, you got to know what you're biting off when you move by a racetrack. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully some of you guys give us a call uh, and, and leave your thoughts on it because uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Absolutely. All right, so with all that right. – with that being said, let's wrap things up here and uh, we'll catch everybody on the flip side. Cheers, everybody.